All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Pastor Eli James here, and today is February fifth, twenty twenty-three, and this is the Voice of Christian Israel, and we're going to be continuing our series on the uh, the uh, the development of the mystery of, in this case, the wave sheaf offering by John D. Kaiser. And we do have Pastor Martins with us. How are you today, Pastor Martins? Good evening, Pastor Eli. Very well, thank you. After, a, again, a sweltering hot day with um, cloud over, and it seems as if we could have a storm uh, brewing again. Otherwise, very well, thanks, Pastor. Yeah. I trust you are well as well. Yeah, I'm doing better. I'm still struggling with uh, Wi-Fi uh, disease. You know, I get headaches if I'm in front of a computer for too many hours of the day. So I have to get up and walk around and leave leave the vicinity of the EMF radiation, right? But other than that, I'm doing pretty well. And uh, actually, uh, Paul English, I just got word uh, Paul English uh, had his another surgery which went very well, and he seems to be doing well. Uh, it appeared he was on death's door uh, this morning when we mm. found out we had a bad report uh, that he had, had to go back into the hospital. But uh, I have a feeling he's going to need mm. medical attention probably for the rest of his life, not having a gallbladder and uh, mm. have, having to take supplements for his pancreas and all that uh, stuff, you know, so... But uh, he is still with us. He is still with us, and I think he'll probably be back at the helm of, of Eurofolk Radio pretty soon. Okay. So anyway, with, with that aside, um, uh, go ahead. Sorry, Pastor. Yeah. Sorry, Pastor. Um, how's Andrew Carrington Hitchcock doing? I um, I've missed him for some time, and I was wondering whether he was still with. Um, Eurofolk Radio. Yeah, he still is. He does his uh, you know, daily show, and, but he pre-records it and then he posts it. Uh, but uh, he hasn't been uh, involved in the daily operations of Eurofolk Radio for quite some time. I'm not sure why, but uh, I think uh, he, uh, he has had uh, a few guests which... Uh, I don't care for such as Dr. Lorraine Day. <laughs> she's a good doctor. Her expertise mm. is medicine. However, she's a universalist when it comes to the Bible and uh, very badly so, right? So, but he, uh, mm. he still uh, has her on talking about the Bible, giving her universalist uh, expressions. And so, you know, I've told Andy that uh, I really disapprove of her talking about the Bible, <laughs> and so, so that's yeah. that's pretty much where it stands right now. We'll we'll see what happens. Okay, but uh, so you mm. were saying to me before we started that uh, you were having like strange weather uh, in uh, in uh, uh, so, yeah, Boston. Yes, um, we've had very hot, sweltering heat. Uh, in this part of the Karoo where I am, uh, yet the the Karoo, um, normally the greater Karoo, normally has uh, very hot periods over this time, uh, 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 during this time of the year. Okay. But uh, fairly dry, yet over the past few months, the greater Karoo has had 
uh, enormous amount of rain. In fact, floodings over large areas of the Greater Karoo with some parts um, really uh, dry still. Uh, I was looking at the, well, I look at the uh, weather prediction patterns, of course, which were or which are being fed by um, visual observation over various spectral um, frequencies in terms of the presence of clouds, cloud formation, cloud densities, etc. And over the past two days, there were um, the weather prediction programs, which normally are very accurate because they also utilize radar, right. um, meteorological radar. And yesterday uh, afternoon, I looked at the the possibility of some uh, relief in terms of the extreme heat that we experienced. And there was no indication of any clouds except uh, above us, I saw a cloud that had very strange um, uh-huh. ripple formations. And I know that these ripple formations are associated with uh, the harp weather manipulation uh, images that I've seen on so many occasions before. And true as anything, two hours later, we had a windstorm and hail, which was quite surprising, and thunderstorm, and in fact, two thunderstorms that passed. And of course, we lost um, uh, electricity. Uh, our electricity was uh, uh, actually uh, uh, taken down by the storm, and on wow. two occasions uh, there were. Uh, it, it seemed as if the system was trying to self-recover. Um, it came up for a few seconds, went down again, came up a cycle okay. of three times, and then it was down, and it was down from. Uh, yesterday afternoon till this afternoon, it only came back by about three o'clock, quarter past three, somewhere around there. It okay. Came back. So, now, well, I'm I glad seen, we. I'm glad you're back because you have had all kinds of trouble with your network problems over the last few months, if not the last year. Yeah. 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 Now, um, earlier today, I looked again at the uh, formation or the possibility of cloud formation because it's a sweltering hot day again today and lo and behold I noticed nothing on the weather prediction program on my cell phone uh-huh. however the the clouds uh, some distance from us were were looking like uh, something that is unusual okay and I realized we're going to have a storm again. Uh-huh. And as we're speaking, uh, the, <laughs> yeah. the, um, the, the clouds, heavy clouds, are coming over the mountains. Oh, okay. Now, All right. All uh, right. exactly from the same direction as yesterday's storms, yet the, um, the weather prediction programs indicate no possibility even of clouds. Right. Yet I see cloud ca- cover. Yes. Virtually as far as the eye can see. Right. Well, have you been following what's been happening in California? With, the, with several years of drought, 
and all of a sudden this year, yes. tremendous snowfall, flooding, and uh, people dying in floods and blah, blah, blah. It's, to me, it's obviously harp, harpster you know, type weather, orchestrated weather, you know, using Tesla technology. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. That's what it is. Yeah. Because um, because nobody was able to predict well, any of this it's, stuff. It's, go, go ahead. It's 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 the Edomites creating another form uh, to create a new form of taxation again. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Create create climate crises so that you pay your taxes to global warming to fight against global warming. Right. Oh man. We're yes. living in awful times, folks. If uh, Yeah, the tribulation is falling on everybody. As uh, the Bible says, the rain falls on the just and on the unjust. <laughs> right? Okay? Exactly. Right, right. Okay, so let's get back yeah. to this uh, wonderful article. And let me just preface before I go into reading uh, why I have chosen to go into this subject. Because... I've been aware now for many years that the the feast days, as given in the Old Testament and practiced by Yahshua in the New Testament, are actually prophetic. Yeah. Okay, the spring feasts were which Absolutely. are yeah yeah the spring feasts were uh, Passover, the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread, which uh, technically begins on the uh, Sabbath day right after Passover. And then the wave sheaf, which is the day after that Passover, uh, after that uh, Sabbath, okay? Yes. And so, and then we're supposed to eat unleavened bread for the entirety of that period, which actually amounts to nine days when you include Passover, okay? That's correct. Eight days plus Passover. Right, yeah, it's an eight-day feast, but Passover is another day that we're not supposed to eat unleavened bread. So uh, that was part of the spring festival, and it was fulfilled with the coming of Messiah because he he sacrificed himself. He was our Passover in, and I reckon, thir- April 3rd, 33 AD as the date for that uh, development. And then uh, the wave sheaf is the day after that Sabbath, which we'll be talking about today. And then, the, and then there was Pentecost, 50 days after that uh, Passover Sabbath, uh, 49 days after the yeah. wave sheaf, as the Bible clearly tells us how to count from one day to the next. If you can count, you can figure out when, pass- when Pentecost is, okay? And so the, the Pentecost yeah. completes that cycle of the spring feasts, and Pentecost is when yeah. the Israelites from all over the Mesopotamian area came to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost, okay? Now, the fall feasts are yet to be fulfilled. They will be fulfilled very shortly, and my reckoning, they will be fulfilled very close to the, uh, the Feast of Atonement in 2025, and so, uh, and I have really good reason for s- saying that. Does not mean that's going to be the last year, but we better be ready by then. <laughs> We'd better start getting ready yeah. for the judgment day. Okay. Yeah. So, and uh, but, uh, yeah, go I, ahead. I hear you referring to the spring feasts and the fall feasts. Yes. I have, um, I think I've spoken to you about this before. We're in which, um, a writer did intensive research into this 
uh, and stating that the so-called fall feast, the seventh month feasts, uh-huh. are indeed twelfth month feast, a twelve month feast. That is the uh, feast of tabernacles and the um, atonement, which was, uh, which is before the Pesach feast, uh-huh. and then, um, in, in other words. And wherein which he states that the the Jews actually uh, moved these feasts from the uh, normal feast times through to the seventh month to correlate with the Eastern um, calendar. Okay. And also that the Jews the Jews have a they have two calendars. They have their right. the, the religious calendar and they have the um, what civil, they call the civil calendar. Um, yeah, the civil calendar and the, the civil calendars feasts have become the so-called seventh month feasts. Right. Well, um, and and I find that interesting. And and then what I also want to say is that. Uh, the calendar which uh, we follow, on, or many people follow in South Africa, or many other Boers follow, uh, uh, is the calendar which I am talking about now, where the feasts are um, all within the the twelve months uh, oh, yeah. leading up to uh, the other feasts during the the, the Passover, up to the uh, Feast of Pentecost. Okay, so the, the the fall feasts you're saying occur in the spring also? Is that what you're saying? Uh, that's correct. No, okay, all that's right. Correct. Yeah, well, I would have to uh, read that argument to, to see if it pertains, uh, you know, because the Jews did mess with the calendar. There's no doubt about that. And they actually begin uh, yes. th- their calendar with the fall, with the so-called civil calendar. But there is no such terminology in Scripture, a so-called civil calendar. <laughs> there is no yes. such terminology, right? Yeah. So I pretty this, much a- the writer of this, the writer of, or the author of this particular book, uh, actually correlates the uh, the Jews calendar. Now, remember, I'm talking about the Jewish calendar, not right. the Hebrew calendar. Right. The Hebrew right. calendar was uh, uh, was um, Change. Uh, changed yes. by the Jews, the Edomites, yes. for the purpose of the hijacking of the identity of the house of Jacob. Right. Now, yeah. what is uh, this writer also writes about is for these feasts to correlate with the uh, Olymp the Olympic uh, Olympic oh, okay. uh, events of Greece. Right. So right. it's a whole string of things which are associated with what w- had become the seventh month feasts. Yes. Okay. Well, that probably In correlates words, what, uh, what with the Maccabees, because that's when the Greeks influenced uh, Judah heavily. Yeah. Uh, please continue. Uh, what this writer also says is that um, this, these feasts were changed by man. Yes. Uh, in spite of the fact that they have been instituted by Yahweh. Uh-huh. And that uh, be- because of the way in which they had uh, construed 
all these other events to correlate with the seventh month occurrence of these events. Right. Or they changed the, the, the feast yeah. to okay. the seventh month to correlate with these other yeah. worldly events. Well, I'd be happy to look. Is it available in English or only in Afrikaans? Unfortunately, un- unfortunately, Pastor, at this time, it's only um, available okay. in Afrikaans. Okay. And the um, document that associates and that, that gives the, the answers to all the arguments on this um, is uh, in excess of 120 pages. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I so mean, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, keep it's me informed. Important. Yeah, keep me informed. But uh, as uh, as I my calendar studies indicate that the uh, from directly from the scriptures that we have, and uh, uh, it'd be interesting to find out if the Septuagint backs up, you know, because we go by the Enoch yeah. solar calendar. Which uh, the Jews do not. Yeah. The, the Jews reject that as well. So yeah. as long as it's not Jewish, it's probably good. <laughs> right? Okay. But here, yeah. you know, the, the fact is that uh, the second coming is the last great day of the Feast of Tabernacles, in my opinion. Okay. So we yes. need to, we need to get that correct, uh, get the timing right. Otherwise, we, we'll miss the boat. <laughs> we don't want to miss the boat. All right, so let's get yeah. back to this article here, The Mystery of the Wave Sheaf Offering Revealed at Last by John D. Kaiser. I'm just going to read the first four short paragraphs and then get your comment, and then we can go to the so-called spiritual type and anti-type. And he quotes Leviticus 23, which hmm. states, quote, And Yahweh said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, When you come into the land which I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before Yahweh, that you may find acceptance. On the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. So, uh, what well, the Passover was the fourteenth day, the Sabbath was the fifteenth day, and the wave sheaf is the 16th day. That's exactly what the Bible says. Okay, so, and then he continues. And on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb a year old without blemish as a burnt offering to Yahweh. And that's Leviticus 23, verses 10 through 12. What is this wave sheaf offering? What does it symbolize and represent? Notice that it is a sheaf of the first fruits, and it is offered to Yahweh God before the Israelites can harvest the spring harvest. Yahweh commands, and you shall eat neither bread nor grain, parched or fresh, that is, produced from the new harvest, until this same day, until you have brought the offering of your God. It is a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. Leviticus 23.14 So before we reap the new harvest, uh, the uh, the priests, and uh, for, for my purposes, our purposes, any Israelite, since the Levitical priesthood is no longer in existence, uh, we need to offer this wave sheaf before we ourselves partake of the the harvest. Okay. Now it's interesting. I would speculate. The yeah, the current. I would speculate that Cain, uh, the reason why Cain's offering to Yahweh was refused, is because Cain refused to offer Yahweh the first fruits. 
he gave he gave Yahweh second best, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and whereas uh, yeah. Abel gave Yahweh first fruits. Okay, over to you for comment. Well, I've heard somebody um, uh, mention that the reason why Cain's uh, offering was rejected was because it was not a blood offering. In other words, there was no, um, uh, it, it, it contained no uh, uh-huh. redemption for sin. Right. Well, was this before or after, uh, yeah, uh, Cain killed Abel? Right. That's one argument, uh, but uh, uh, I, I, yeah. But I it, see it, it more. Was before. Yeah, before and killed Abel. Right, because um, it, it, Scripture says that uh, Yahweh rejected Cain's offering and accepted Abel. So it must have been before Abel was killed. Yeah. Right. In fact, it, it was most probably be the before. reason why Cain um, struck yeah. Abel. Yeah, because his his offering was rejected. Okay. Yeah, but uh, I, I still see that what we're seeing here in first fruits is that we have to offer the first fruits of the harvest to Yahweh before we ourselves partake of it. Cain at that time was supposedly a farmer, yes. <laughs> right? So his first fruits yeah. offering, he did not offer his first fruits to Yahweh. He probably partook of that himself, and I'm sure Yahweh told him, yeah, okay, mm. your first fruits must be offered to me. You're not to consume them until you offer the first mm. fruits to me. So that's my opinion of what happened yeah. then, okay? So anyway, so uh, what we're seeing here is today, well, the, the Jews don't offer first fruits of anything. They never have, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay? Yeah. All right? So this pertains this, to us. Um, uh, offering the, the Edomite Jews only offer unto themselves. That's right. As Cain did. He only offered unto himself. All right. Okay, so next mm. heading here. Spiritual type and anti-type. And I don't like this designation. This is a theological uh, you know, rendering. Type and anti-type. Uh, what I prefer is prophecy yes. and fulfillment. Okay, that's what they mean by type and anti-type. Okay. In the book of Romans, Paul writes to Christian Israelites saying, quote, We know that the whole creation has been groaning and travailed together until now. And not only the creation, but we of Israel ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, Romans 8.23. Now, there are a couple of problems with this verse, particularly the word adoption which is a false translation. Yeah. Okay, it is correct. Exactly. It is correct that, that that we of Israel, he's only talking about Israelites, he's not talking about anybody else. Okay, he's only talking about and correct. we and who, it, Yeah, go ahead. It's not adoption but acceptance. Right. Right. Yeah, or, or placement. Rem- yes. Rem- exactly. Remember Yeshua said that he had being sent to the lost sheep, or the, I refuse to accept that Yahweh would have stated that his people would go lost. 
Right. Because that is what the Edomites would want us to believe, that we are lost. Yeah. Um, what Yahweh said is that he would disperse his people for being ignorant and uh, uh, right. uh, and being disobedient. Uh, in, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, in rebellion. Disobedient to his um, laws. Right. Yeah, the correct word for lost is exiled. It's uh, the Greek word is apolumi, which means put away in punishment. That the correct yeah. translation is exiled, because no other people were exiled by mm. Yahweh except Israelites. So that word is badly translated. Lost is a very weak translation of that word. Okay. So, so let me uh, see. I'm, yeah. I'm in Romans, and let me get the uh, correct verses here from uh, our author here and uh, which state it's Romans 8:23 so let me go to verse 23 scroll down there and okay and not only they but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the spirit even uh, we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption, and the word adoption comes from the Greek huothesia, which is defined as the placing of a son. Or in, in your terms, the word acceptance is far better than adoption. The common mm-hmm. modern view of the word adoption is, well, you can adopt anybody you want. You can go out and adopt a Negro child or or uh, you know, a baboon or, or a porcupine, you know. <laughs> no. The only people who can be placed as sons of Yahweh are those who mature in the faith, grow up in the faith, and have repented of their sins and accept Yahshua as their Savior. That's what Paul is talking exactly. about. Exactly. Well, yeah, go ahead. It, it, stands, it stands to reason that the only way in which one can find acceptance with Yahweh is by returning to that conditional state that he initially intended us to be in. Yes. And that is also um, uh, uh, confirmed by the scriptures and in particular Deuteronomy 28, 29 and 30. Yes. In uh, chapter 30, of course, within the first few verses, Yahweh states about the um, the uh, sanctification, about the um, uh, uh, his people, the house of Jacob, uh, going into a uh, state of um, humbling and returning to his laws and his yes. commandments. Right. Okay. And the word redemption here is uh, uh, apolutrosis, which is actually a a word related to apolumi. Apolutrosis. And it is the ransoming. It is the ransom that he paid for us. Okay. So, and, and to whom was the promise of redemption and the promise of the Savior? To whom was it given? Everybody? The house of Jacob. House of Jacob. Right. No, it can't be given to everybody. It's only given to the house of Jacob. So this word adoption, this modern rendering, false modern rendering of Heothesia can't possibly be correct. It has to be, as your word yeah. is acceptance, 
And the given word here is the placing as a son. That is, you already have to be a son in order to be placed as an heir is what he's talking about. Okay, and he elaborates on the airship of uh, the Israelites in the book of Hebrews, right? But uh, so let's continue. You have to get these words right uh, if you, you know, if you, if you don't have a concordance <laughs> to read along with Scripture. Whenever something does not make sense, pull out your concordance and see if the word has been correctly translated. Okay, so let's continue. Yeah. And fortunately, the author is a Christian Israelite. He talks identity language, but he, uh, he uses Jehovah instead of Yahweh, and he uses, uh, uh, I think he still uses the word Jew occasionally but for, for Judahites, which is also a mistake. Mm. But he correctly identifies us as Christian Israelites. That's very good. Christian Israelites, those called of Yahweh, God, during this lifetime to serve and obey him, out of every nation of Israel, right, the dispersion, are likened to first fruits of Yehovah or Yahweh God. We have the first fruits of the Spirit of Yahweh as a down payment or earnest, Ephesians 1, verses 4 through 14, of our inheritance. Okay? We're talking about achieving the inheritance, but you have to come of age to be an heir. Okay? Otherwise, you're still a child. Yeah. And you don't know what you're doing when you're still a child, right? As we are the ones who should yeah. be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Messiah, verse 12. Okay, so what he's saying is that the Israelites who were alive then in those days, and that's the people to whom Paul is speaking, those people were still alive just a few, few years after after the sacrifice in 33 AD, and Paul is preaching to these people who are still learning what the heck happened, you know, a, a few years previous. The, the, the modern churches yeah. think that these words were preached to the whole world. No, there's no way. There's no way the whole world would have any idea what this is about. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, um if one does an analysis of the uh, writings of Paul, you will find that he never preached to the heathens, right. but he preached to the dispersed house of Jacob. That Amen. was where he had focused. He, he, he actually stated that he was no longer going to preach to the Yehudahites. Right, the Judahites. The Yehuda, right. Because they were rejecting. In, in fact, in spite of the fact that... Um, Ten days prior to the um, to the Messiah uh, being um, uh, arrested, right. when he entered Jerusalem, they were singing his praises, and they were, and that of course was on the first of Abib, right? When Yeshua came on the back of a donkey uh, or on the back of a mule, he came into Jerusalem, the people were singing his praises. Amen. However, 10 days later, they rejected him. They said, away. And that was because of the leaven of the Pharisees. Right. That's why we have the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We're not so, we're to reject the doctrine of the Pharisees. Yes. Okay. <laughs> right. See how all this ties yeah. together? The feast days are extremely important. 
to understanding the gospel, right? Now, but this brings to mind the uh, episode with Nicodemus. And uh, let me say, let's go to uh, John chapter 3. So let me quickly go to John chapter 3, because this is extremely important for us to analyze how Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, but he was of the house of Judah, he was uh, one of the few Pharisees who actually believed in Messiah. So he crept up to him at, in the middle of the night when the other Pharisees wouldn't see him, right? And confronted Yahshua. Mm-hmm. And here's how it reads, John 3.1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, ruler of the Judeans. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So far, so good. It's To me, he has to be an Israelite in order to even understand this, right? No Pharisee would give a damn <laughs> about Messiah being what he just stated, okay? Verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. However, this word again is anathen. And anathen means from above. It does not mean again. So here we see another major doctrine of the Judeo churches being totally blown apart by a false translation. Okay, and so, but yeah. Nicodemus misunderstood him to be saying again, Nicodemus misunderstood. So Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So he he assumed what the Judeo-Christian churches are assuming falsely that Jesus was talking about being born yeah. a second time, right? No. And Jesus answered, yeah. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Okay? So of water is the water of your mm. mother's womb, and the Spirit is the Holy Spirit, of which only the DNA of the Israelite people can possess. Over to you. Yes. Uh, Pastor, that word which is um, translated as born is genau, which um, has a very deep or far greater depth meaning than just to be born. Mm-hmm. It says there, to be born from above, um, to be regenerated, to uh, to bring forth and it also means to conceive. Oh, wow, okay. Yet also be delivered of. Uh-huh, so, okay. So, in terms of this, this be born, it means far more than just to be born again or to be... Um, um, th- th- there is a something which I have emphasize to the the people who follow me over the past few years in terms of the fact that Yeshua had said, do not, uh, I did not come to, um, to, to, yeah. uh, 
alternative in the law and the prophets but right but for it to be fulfilled right now that fulfilled means if if i look at the scriptures and i see where that word is used elsewhere i see that when for example the mother um a, a pregnant mother her days being fulfilled a child is born in other words that which was hidden that what which was um in in a mystical and or mystery form is now coming to the fourth and to, to the fore and the realization a, a occurring in other words a baby being born uh-huh. that which was only um w- w- hidden is now coming into reali- uh, into reality and this be- being born here speaks about that which is now coming to fruition right. that coming to reality in other Amen. words Amen. this the, the the message the message of yeshua messiah having reached me as a uh, not as a gentile but as a descendant from the house of jacob as an israelite yeah right jacobite having, yeah. yeah yes yeah. and now um receiving the messiah as the one who had been slaughtered and whose blood is the reason for my remission of my sins Right. In other words, uh, I, th- I think I uh, did explain to you on a previous occasion the way in which the uh, Israelites or the Asherahites yes. would bring a lamb or an ox or whatever, and that would be an acknowledgement of sin or identification of sin, the acknowledgement of sin, and then the uh, the action of the uh, sacrifice would bring about the Uh, redemption through the blood the blood uh the blood sacrifice meaning that the and and this was all a, a foreshadow of what was to come in the messiah yes so the blood of the messiah that he, he had become the high priest now himself offering his own blood or his own blood having been offered which is presented to father yahweh for the remission of my sins yes Yes. Okay, so yeah, and this actually talks about the so-called predestination which Paul uses that ex- uh, that expression as in the conditional sense that we have we were all those of us who have embodied as Israelites were already in existence before the world was conceived, right? We were held in abeyance to be born into this life to bring forth the kingdom that's our purpose here okay the jews yes. have no part in that they're edomites right they're, they're, they're the sons of cain and they yeah. cannot go where that's why jesus said lily of the valley is christ told him where whither i go you cannot come right and and they and what was yeah. their response what's he talking about Is he talking about the dispersion in in, in uh, Asia and in Greece? Is that what, what he's talking about? They had no conception even of the they kingdom. Yeah, exactly. They could not <laughs> even grasp the the concept. Yeah, they couldn't even grasp it, and that's just the way the Jews are still today. They are a totally materialistic people, yeah. having no concept of spiritual reality whatsoever. Okay. 
So let's continue. And this no is conscience either. Right. <laughs> right. And that's why, yeah. And, and Cain himself had no concept of what was being asked of him by first fruits. Had no concept of it all. All right. So anyway, he continues. In writing of Christian Israelites in the region of Achaia, that is Greece, Paul says of them, quote, Salute my well-beloved Eponidas, who is the firstfruits of Achaia unto Christ, Romans 16.5. In the book of James we read, quote, Of his own will he brought us of Israel forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures, James 1.18. And we'll just dwell on those two passages. So what this is telling me, Pastor, is that the the dead, the the dead Israelites, the those the dearly departed Israelites of Old Testament times, who did uh, repent of their sins at some point along the line before they met their demise, those are worthy mm. of being the first fruits along with Christ. So Christ was the wave sheaf; he was the the absolute first fruit in the singular. Okay. But the Israelites who he redeemed at, in those days are the first fruits uh, that followed him up into the kingdom. And remember, there's that passage that when he was resurrected, the spirits of the dead Israelites left the graves, which is a, you know, a metaphorical expression. They came out of their graves and spoke mm. to the living Israelites, told them, hey, the Messiah had come and is, is arisen. Okay? Well, that's one of the... Um that's one of the most firm evidences that the Messiah, in fact, was the one that was crucified. Right. And, of course, also with his resurrection, um, the graves also opened. That's right. Um, remember, he said that he was going to preach to those that are in yeah. um, Below. infirmity. Right. And of course, when he arose from the grave, he brought those with him that he had preached for. Yeah, yeah. So uh, again, you have to pay attention to these details to understand the scriptures, and the churches pay no attention exactly. to, to the, the true meanings of these words whatsoever. Okay, but the time has come where we have to get serious about scripture and not uh, beat around the bush or gloss over passages, especially passages dealing with the feast days. These are extremely important. Okay. So, and then he continues. Absolutely. Yeah. In the book of Romans, Paul addresses our calling, which is special and unique in the sight of Yahweh God. Of all people on earth, we of Israel are the few who have been given the spirit of Yahweh God as a begettal indwelling within us, a priceless heritage mm. and gift. Yeah, it's our inheritance if we claim it. Therefore, the love of God is shed abroad mm. in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us, Romans 5.5. 5. Paul goes on, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, so be that Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man of Israel have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Okay? So, 
In other words, if you mm-hmm. have not accepted Yahshua as your Savior, as an individual Israelite, then you are not uh, getting into the kingdom because you have still rejected him. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you have not re- accepted his sacrifice for you, you are not a, a true Israelite. And that's what I feel he means by when he says, not all Israel is Israel, right? Not all Israelites have taken that last mm-hmm. step. Back to you. Exactly. But also the um, Edomites have uh, presented themselves as if they are from the house of Oh, that's right. right. Just like Cain. Just like Cain, right? They were were feigning to be from the house of Jacob. Right. In fact, in, 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 in the book of Acts, we read that they were believers from the sect of the Pharisees, but they were the ones who were the stumbling blocks of the, uh, for the preaching of Paul right. unto the dispersed house of Jacob, the ten northern tribes. Right, right. Okay, so I have reason to believe that in addition to Nicodemus, that Joseph of Arimathea was also a member of the Sanhedrin because he was a very rich man, a rich merchant yeah. dealing in tin. But he was not present in Palestine most of the time. He was off in Britain, you know, mining tin. But he came back yeah. for this for this event, right? Uh, Father Yahweh had him in place there so he could make the tomb available for his resurrection. Okay, and that's why he begged yeah. of Pilate the body of Messiah. Okay. But he was also, from my secular readings, he was also a member of the Sanhedrin because he was a rich merchant. And, you know, the Jews always, uh, you know, employ rich people for their own purposes, rich, rich Israelites for their own purposes. You know, and so I think Nicodemus was also one of these, but I doubt there were many more. Okay. The vast majority were Edomites. Okay. So, uh, all right, so uh, where do I well? Did well? Okay. How then does this relate to the wave sheaf offering which was performed the day after the first high holy day of Passover and the weekly Sabbath in the spring? And we're almost out of time. Let's understand in the book, The Temple, Its Ministry and Services by Alfred Edersheim, who is a Jew, but I think he has a faithful rendering right. yeah, of, the, of what happens here. We read of the reaping of the wave sheaf and its presentation. At the end of the 15th of Nisan, says Edersheim, just as it was growing dark, quote, a noisy throng followed delegates of the Sanhedrin outside the city and across the brook Kidron. They emerged amidst loud demonstrations in a field across Kidron, which had been marked out for the purpose. They were to be engaged in a service most important to them. The law had it, quote, and this is the law from the Old Testament. Ye shall bring a sheaf, literally the omer, of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest who typified or represented the Messiah, and he shall wave the omer before Yahweh to be accepted for you on the morrow after the Sabbath. Ye shall wave it. Okay, so what uh, Mr. Kaiser is saying is that to faithfully perform the uh, wave sheaf offering, Somebody in Israel has to pluck the fruit of the harvest 
and offer it to Yahweh first before we can partake of the harvest. Okay? But who is the harvest? Mm. We are. <laughs> right? This is the first fruits in the days of yeah. Messiah. The second the, the second gathering will be just before the judgment day. Those of us who have lived in these last 2,000 years, in these last 2,000 years, and many of our kindred are in the yeah. grave waiting to resurrect for the second coming. The people, the Israelites of the Old Testament came at the first coming. Now those of us who are still here will resurre- resurrect. Some of us won't taste of death. We will uh, transform from our mortal bodies to our immortal bodies in a blinking of an eye, as Paul says. Your comment, please. Uh, Pastor, um, I've ventured into looking at the fact that they use the word or the month name as Nissan. Okay. Now, in, in the book of Exodus, uh, Yahweh speaks to Moses and he says to him, let this be the first month to you, the month Abib. Abib, yes. Now, looking at the, now looking at what the, um, what Strong says about the month Nisan, he says he had probably a foreign origin. Yeah, it's Babylonian words, origin. <laughs> it is not of Hebrew origin. Right. It's Babylonian. Says, yes. That's why the Jews the use it. The first month of the Jewish sacred year. There you go. Nisan. <laughs> That's right. And I think we must, we must draw distinction again between the Jewish calendar and the Hebrew calendar because they are different. Yes, they are. And also the fact that the Jews have, have the Jews speak of the month Nisan. However, the Hebrews speak of the month Abib. That's correct. That's correct. And, of course, the Jews practice the Babylonian Talmud, and that's where the month Nisan comes from. And also the Japanese Uh car, Nisan. Yes. (laughs) Right? Okay. But Abib means basically the the first fruits of spring. Okay? Which, uh, as I understand it, I'm not a farmer, I think is a reference to the barley harvest. Okay? So the first fruits, the the Israelites could not reap the barley harvest until this offering of the first fruits, this ceremony was performed. Now, this ceremony was performed not by Jews, yeah. but by by the people of Jacob, by Jacobites, for over 1,500 years until Messiah came, at which point they stopped yeah. doing this, right? The Jews want to keep doing this. Yeah. They're, they're fake uh, rever- rever- reverence to this uh, ceremony, and they want to build a third temple and start offering animal sacrifice again. Can yes. I- yeah. Yes. Can any Christian in their right mind the- approve of such a thing? And and the reason for this being is the fact that they reject Yeshua. That's correct. As the Messiah. Amen. That shit is meant for the remission of sins. Yes. But there are other things also in play, at play, Pastor. The, okay. The Edomite Jews are ritualistic. Yes. They want to attach all meaning to rituals. Yes. Rather than the endeavors of doing that which is from the heart. Amen. 
Amen. Because they have no heart. <laughs> that is also why. But that is also why they insist on the um, circumcision of the flesh. Right. When Yahweh very clearly indicates that he will circumcise his people by the heart. Right. And of course, the, the, Edomites, the Edomites cannot repent. What do they repent from? Right. Because they, they, they uh, all the parables that the Messiah spoke about all relate to, for example, the lost son, the lost uh, right. a penny, the lost sheep, the lost. Uh, yeah, in other those, words, all those parables. Yeah, they all belonged. All those parables indicate that they once belonged to the owner, and of right. course, the owner being Yahweh. Yes, it means that these people once belonged to him, but because of disobedience. They have drifted away from him, and they have separated themselves from that which Father Yahweh had intended them to be. Yes. And the return, the, the humbling and the, um, the, the repentance is a returning to that which Father Yahweh intended them to be, as indicated in um, Deuteronomy 28. Yes. Now, again, you brought up the word ritual, and Mr. Edersheim, is referring to the ritual, <laughs> right? He's referring to the ritual here, and he correctly, exactly. yeah, he correctly identifies the ritual. Okay, next, this Passover sheaf, or yes. rather omer, was to be accompanied by a burnt offering of a he lamb without blemish, which means without mm. sin, of the first year, with its appropriate meat and drink offering, and after it had been brought, but not till then. Fresh barley might be used and sold in the land. Now, this Passover sheaf was reaped in public in the evening before it was offered, and it was to witness the ceremony that the crowd gathered around the elders who took care that all was done according to the traditionary ordinance, unquote. So Mr. Edersheim is still referring to the ritual, right? Of course, the ritual was important to the house of Judah for 1,500 years or more, but now that the Messiah had come and the fulfillment of these spring feast days had arrived, now the full meaning of these rituals must be understood. Okay? Yeah. And the Jews still don't it's understand not the it. Itself, <laughs> okay, it right. Is... Go ahead. Yes. The meaning. Yeah. It's the meaning that is most important, not the ritual. But the Jews do nothing exactly. but rituals without meaning, right? <laughs> and they invent new rituals all the time, okay? Just like the Catholic Church did, inventing yeah. all kinds of new rituals that pertain not to Scripture, all right? So uh, I think I, I need mm -hmm. to get this in as well, and then you, I'll give you the last word. Notice, in the past, many have assumed, and many still assume, that the wave sheaf offering, offering referred to Yeshua the Messiah who was the offering for our sins upon the tree, 2 Corinthians 5.20. But does this, does this make any sense when we stop to think about it? What, what, it was accompanied by the offering of a male lamb without blemish, which itself typified the Messiah. So in other words, the first fruits, he was the number one of the first fruits, but the first fruits is actually a reference to the Israelites who were the greater harvest of first fruits at that time. Over to you.
Yeah. Well, it refers to the harvest. Um, and, and Yeshua Messiah was not the harvest, but he was right. the first. Um, well, well he, he, because of that which he had sown, his blood. Yes. Um, brought about the first fruits, which of course are the, uh, those from the house of Jacob that repent of their sins and, uh, calling upon the Messiah as the, the one whom shed his blood right. for the remission of their sins. Of the, of the children of Israel, or Yasharel, as you pronounce it, house of Jacob. Okay? And this applies yes. to nobody else because nobody and else only. was cast out of his sight for uh, you know uh, 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 an exile to be regathered later. Okay, you know. Yeah. When you're true to the language of Scripture, you can only teach one truth, and that is Christian identity. That the Old Testament and New Testament are to one people exclusively, namely the true house of Jacob and nobody else. Yeah, All right. We are supposed to set the hallelujah. example, hallelujah, the example for any, everybody else who has any inkling of paying attention to the scriptures, which is really not too many, <laughs> right? Mm. So, uh, but uh, people yeah. go through the motions. Even many of our people just go through the motions of believing in scripture when they are totally confused because they're following the 501c3, uh, you know, apostates. Of Judeo Christianity, okay, we'll pick this up yes. because, as I said, it's very important to understand these things. Yeah, your final word, uh, Pastor. What is also important is to know to note that whatever the Jews or these Edomites cannot do, according to the Scriptures, as given by Yahweh and by the unctioning of His uh, Holy Spirit to the the house of Jacob, these Edomites change to suit them. Yes, their, absolutely. Uh, agendas. Amen. That's and it. We just be careful about that as well, because there's there's a lot of these agenda-driven uh, doctrines which are being or that have been introduced to this, the translations of the scriptures Absolutely. over many generations. That's correct. And we talk about I'm the, in the yeah. process of discovering those. Yes. Yeah, we can uh, make a note of that. We'll talk about it next week. Okay, Pastor? Excellent, Pastor. Okay, all right. Be we're blessed. Out. Thanks for yeah, an excellent show. Yeah, we're out of town. Thank you. Take care. Yeah, we'll bless. Bye-bye. All right, folks. Uh, well, yeah, we're out of time. <laughs> okay. Let me go back in the chat room here. Oh, I got a, I'm still recording.